Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This might be my last communication for a while. If you've seen what happened in Shipton, you know why. It's on all the news channels and all the papers. I'm going to have to disappear and lay low for a while. It's June 18, 1984, and this is Tom Stretcher reporting in. No, not reporting in. Nothing that's going on here has been authorized by the Pinkerton's Paranormal Detective Agency or any other detective agency. It's all gone sideways. None of this is official or sanctioned by any government or private agency. This one is all on me. Where did it all go wrong? I've been chasing blood money for so long. One city after another. Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Boston, Philadelphia, and now Shipton. Each time he set up base in the city, took over the local gangs with his mind control, set them to war with all remaining rivals, and created a small horde of vampires to enforce his will at night. Each time I found him, Eliminated the vampires, dodged his killers, and then he's gone. On to the next city, before I can finally close with him. Along the way, he's been learning, getting better at using his powers. He convinced local police to try to arrest or stop me. Highway patrol is now on the lookout for me. Even the FBI is searching for me for a variety of crimes. I can't even surrender and try and straighten things out because I'll have another set of mind-controlled killers come after me while I'm in custody like when I was in Philly. They're convinced I'm responsible for a string of murders that blood money has framed me for, and they're as desperate to catch me as I am to catch blood money. Adding to my police problems, there's also been the never-ending stream of mind-controlled killers and hired professionals that have been dogging my trail the whole time I've been trailing blood money. I can't really go out in public anymore, or sleep properly anymore, and I find myself waking at night in a cold sweat, wondering when the next attack will come. I've since lost all my previous contacts. No one is willing to work with or talk with me anymore. My reputation is burned, both professionally and on the street. There's no one left to turn to, and no place I can go to be safe for even a moment. So I did the only thing I could do. Keep on after blood money and finally bring him down. I figured I had nothing left to lose. That I paid any price to finally stop him. Turned out, I had no idea how high that price would really be. Shipton is a desolate city that's abandoned all hope long ago. Still, it hasn't hit rock bottom yet. Every time I think it has, it manages to find a whole new low. Crime, unemployment, poverty, general abandonment. All of this clings to the city, covering it like an oil slick, and then seeping in, permeating it, getting to the very character and soul of the city. Summer sky is a generalized haze where clouds never really seem to form 
even though the sun is washed out to an indistinct blob of burning heat. Heat radiates off the asphalt, and even the roads sweat tar and street runoff in this hot house sweltering summer. Bags of loose trash line the sidewalks, forcing the few brave pedestrians about to weave through a maze of both discarded belongings and the general discarded humanity, desperate for help. The homeless and the desperate everywhere in Shipton, on the streets, corners, and alleyways, looking for any help, aid, or even just basic human sympathy. When the projects got taken over by local gangs, many were forced out onto the street. When the city took down the projects for redevelopment, the rest went out onto the street. Somehow, money for the new construction just disappeared, and the huge vacant areas remain a scar in the very center of the city to this day. They always manage to appropriate new funds to help, but nothing ever happens. There is no help in Shipton. I can't get any help from my police contacts here. I'm a wanted man. Besides, the local precinct had to put razor wire on top of the police station and the fencing. It looks like a fortress in a hostile territory. And it is. There is no help from the locals. I'm a detective, an ex-cop, and an outsider. No one is going to talk to me. With every possible avenue cut off, I had to do something else. I've had to go back and do something I swore I would never do again. Working with monsters. The meeting place was an old warehouse down by the docks. Chain-link fencing was everywhere in a vain attempt at security in a city long ago given to over to lawlessness. Rust trailed down from the fencing, leaving long, blood-red stains bleeding into the ever-present concrete. Rusted corrugated metal and cinder block formed the rest of the yard around the warehouse. It was a perfect place for an ambush, which was why they had demanded that I meet them there. The werewolf mafia knows I'm a Pinkerton paranormal detective and wasn't taking any chances. They go by a lot of names. The Sons of Romulus, the Black Claw, and all of that, but werewolf mafia is the best description because... It gets the idea across. A bunch of Italian werewolf packs, supposedly tracing their origins back to the founding of the Roman Empire, have organized themselves into enforcers and killers for organized crime syndicates and also do a lot of their own work as well. Usually they focus on extortion, breaking and entering, murder for hire, and anything else with a violent streak that's profitable. Since they work with the other criminal syndicates, even normal citizens from time to time, I figured there was a chance they'd meet with me. They'd recently been forced out of their traditional hunting grounds in New York City by things that are bigger and hungrier than they are. And now, blood money is moving in on their turf in Shipton. So, I figured maybe they'd work with me to deal with a common enemy. Maybe I could meet with them, and maybe... Just maybe, I'd still be alive afterwards. It's easy to walk into a meeting with the werewolf mafia, but walking back out again isn't guaranteed. Still, I walked in. The warehouse was dim, 
with light streaming in from a few windows, shedding just enough light in my eyes to cast the rest of the interior into darkness in comparison. Before my eyes could adjust to the darkness, the werewolves were there. Two, instantly on each side of me, huge, snarling, hulking towers of muscle, fur, fangs, and claws. Another appeared behind me, so quickly and silently, I never even saw him until his rank breath was on my neck. Finally, flanked by two particularly massive werewolves, was their leader. Alpha, Don, whatever they call the top dog in this outfit, the idea is the same. He was the one who barked out the orders and kept everyone else in line. Most of the time, anyway. He was a thinner, leaner, black-furred wolf with piercing yellow-green eyes. Sorry, I didn't manage to get any pictures for the other Pinkertons to identify. I think they might have objected. Violently. When you think about it, their shape-changing makes a perfect way to hide their identity. Most people just go crazy with fear when they see them, refuse to talk about it because they'll be seen as crazy. Then, there's the way they avoid any physical evidence. Photographs won't show their human form, there's no fingerprints, or hair that can be matched, no clothing fibers, no weapons or shell casings left behind. Just blood, and all too often, no body. Yeah, werewolves do eat people, and at the moment, they were looking at me like I was lunch. So, Thomas, the top dog growled out, why are you here? And why should we let you live? I've got problems with blood money. You've got problems with blood money. So, let's do something about it. What makes you think we're having any problems with him? That vampire's taking away all you got. Block by block. No matter how you mark your territory by pissing, they snarled. And I thought maybe I'd had it. Right then and there. I didn't care. After everything, I'd been pushed way past any limits or cares. Looking back, I think that's why I didn't die that day. Werewolves are part wild animal and predator, and they didn't send any fear on me at all. Okay, their top dog growled out when he'd finally gotten himself back under control. We'll work together for now. You got a plan to fix our little bat problem? I'd gotten what I needed. Some help in finding blood money and neutralizing his vampires. It was gonna cost me, though. I won't lie. Thought of werewolves tearing blood money to shreds set me smiling. You've all heard the way the gang wars blew up in Shipton? Knights were lit by the flashes of submachine gun fire, car bombs, and burning buildings. Days would come and people were just gone, absolutely vanished, leaving nothing but blood, shredded clothing, broken doors, and furniture. Claw marks and bullet holes riddled walls. There were reports of people going crazy on a new street drug, wild dogs mauling people in the night. Anything was more comforting than the real, terrible truth. 
predators of the night had gone to war in Shipton. The vampires fought back and gave almost as good as they got, but it wasn't enough. The werewolf mafia were more experienced, more coordinated, and, well, they're werewolves. Basically a bunch of supernatural super predators that are almost unkillable. God help me. I unleash them. There was worse to come, of course. Werewolf Mafia managed to kill or drive out Blood Money's vampires from their territory, block by block. They could smell where they were, and strike during the day with a speed and ferocity the vampires couldn't match. Also, when it's a whole pack on one or two vamps, the fight's only going to go one way. Still, the wolves were taking casualties ones that couldn't be replaced quickly. While blood money could always turn more people into new vampires, said to keep the pressure up, no matter what, in this quickly. Eventually, we'd driven blood money and his vampires to his lair at last. He was going to try and make his escape that night, and we decided to hit the place first. Blood money's lair stinks. Literally. The Newmont Sunrise was a big, old, ugly, leaky rust bucket of a freighter hauling fertilizer. Literally, the last place you'd ever expect a master vampire to lair in, which was probably the whole point. It was also a seagoing vessel, already loaded, inspected, and ready to leave port and go anywhere. Anywhere Blood Money damn well wanted to go, and once he left, I would never be able to catch him. This was the last chance to catch him. As if that was any excuse for what happened next. We boarded the freighter that night. A mixed party of gangsters with submachine guns and werewolves. And figured we were ready for anything. The werewolves just kind of disappeared. And the deck watch was dead before they even knew what hit them. I tell myself that they were mind-controlled or working for blood money. I tell myself they would have raised an alarm or shot us. I tell myself lots of things. Most likely, they had just been ordinary men one day that got caught up in something beyond them. And now they're dead. At least it was quick. Below decks, things got harder. The tight, confining corridors bullets tended to ricochet wildly. It was easier for defenders to set up ambushes. The groaning metal and stink of the ship's leaking oil pipes and reeking fertilizer cargo made the werewolves' enhanced senses useless also. We split up in that dark, dank, stinking metallic maze, searching for blood money. Gunshots and screams echoed through the ship. Some inhuman shrieks and roars other screams of pain and horror that were all too human. A vampire came at us, shrieking and clambering along the city like a grotesque spider. One of the werewolves crushed its skull with a massive paw, staining the walls with gore. The werewolf saved my life. I'm not sure I'd do likewise in this situation. Everything, anyone, was a target on that ship. Hissing vampires wild-eyed, mind-controlled maniacs, and even crewmen begging for their lives. The werewolves killed with merciless savagery, without any hesitation. 
It was worse than my days back in the war. My God, what had I unleashed? Screams in those dark corridors still haunt me. Explosives and incendiaries had lit fires here and there, burning from the leaky, oily runoff, and gave the whole place an infernal lighting as the ship began to fill with choking smoke and pooling gore. The monsters had lost all sense of control. Vampires fell on their own mangled companions, or clung to the back of werewolves while drinking, driven mad by their own blood hunger. Werewolves brawled with each other over the viscera of their kills, and chased crewmen as they fled down corridors. I think that the only reason the werewolves never turned on me is I didn't try to run from them, like a sane man would have. It was all madness. Nothing but madness. I only remember flashes of it, thankfully. Finally, after an eternity of fighting in those hellish corridors, we confronted Blood Money, who was flanked by two of his surviving vampires. There he was, in a smoky cargo bay, with crates and pallets piled high behind him. He had his sunglasses up on his head, so that the glowing red lights of his eyes were right there and he flashed a big smile with fangs prominent. Big T? Y'all think you can take on me? He laughed. Somehow, laughing as his men were being killed and the ship was burning around us. How? Why? Had he gone completely crazy? I never found out. The werewolves with me rushed the vampires immediately. Everyone moved way too fast to see disappearing into a frenzied blur with blood, gore, and limbs flying out of it. Blood money was as fast as the werewolves, and even with his henchmen down, he dropped two werewolves before the rest of the pack rushed into the room with enraged howls. I stood back, ready to finish off blood money if I got the chance. There was no way I would have survived getting into the middle of that vortex of fangs and claws. It was the ship itself that decided the battle. Flaming oil spread into the cargo bay, and the fire began licking up the sides of the crates and the pallets of fertilizer. I tried to shout out a warning to the werewolves, but they were lost in their own bloodlust, tearing and savaging, even while on fire. The smoke, the heat of the fire. I found myself backing away, gasping for air, and trying just to survive. Partly blinded by all of the smoke, I could see semi-human limbs being ripped off in the inhuman supernatural brawl while they were all on fire. It was too much. Man can only take so much. I ran. From the choking smoke and heat and horror back to a sane world of cool, fresh air that wasn't full of monsters. Somehow, I managed to make my way by feel, stumble out of the burning freighter and back onto the docks. I curled up in a low concrete culvert, hoping the sight would return to me again, trying to breathe again, and praying for salvation I knew I didn't deserve. Not after that night. The explosion felt like the end of the world. I didn't hear a thing, just felt it as the world shook and dashed me into the concrete wall amid a flaring light. When I woke up, I thought I was in hell, to no surprise. 
burning rubble and smoke were everywhere. It took me a while to realize I was still alive, and that judgment would wait for later. The warehouses on the shore and tall cranes were all gone, blown over by the blast. The harbor was a sea of fire. There was no sign of the ship itself. It turns out that the burning oil and ship's cargo of fertilizer made a nitrogen-based explosive called AMFO, ammonium nitrate and fuel oil, that was responsible for the disaster. That's how being called the Big Burn. You know all the details. The lives lost in the flames. The long, grueling days where firefighters tried to stop the spread of the blaze. I got treated for burns, concussion, broken ribs, and smoke inhalation in one of the emergency tents that got set up around the city. Then I sneaked out before too many people asked too many questions. Control. I'm going to have to disappear for a while. Probably a long while. There's too much heat on me at the moment. Vampires, the werewolf mafia, various gangs, and, of course, the actual authorities. I may not come back to this work. Maybe I'm all used up. Time will tell. Have a warning. We must never use monsters like this. However desperate, however useful the help is, there's going to be a worse cost later on. Would all of this have happened if I hadn't brought in the werewolves? I think not. So, it's over at last. Still, something's bothering me, nagging me now that I'm in this motel, in between waking and sleep, with street painkillers and cheap coffee fighting for dominance in my brain. Why was Blood Money smiling? Why did he know that I didn't? Was he just crazy? Or was there something more? I just don't know. This will be my last report for a while. I'm going to try and put the nightmares in my head to rest. And put myself back together. Maybe I'll take up a Pinkerton's job again, or maybe not. Maybe you'll still even have me after all of this, or maybe not. Time will tell. Tom Stretcher, out. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a podcast distributed by Superversive Radio, licensed under an attribution non-commercial share-alike international license. This episode was written and performed by David Howquist. Ben Wheeler edits, directs, produces, and herds cats. Ken Dickison performs our audio editing. Visit us on Facebook, read articles on SuperversiveSF.com, and wherever podcasts are distributed, you'll find us. Check out our unauthorized podcast as well. Contact us through Twitter at Pinkerton's Ghosts, no apostrophe. Send noble messenger possums with letters on their backs or email us at pinkertonsghosts at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.